Hey, so I'm Kelly Johnson and I own Modesty Lane Marketing, which is a consulting, coaching and strategizing firm for entrepreneurs, freelancers and creatives. Um, We're based out of the San Francisco Bay Area and I have been blessed to be able to help people all around the United States. I have a background in psychology uh, in college and then I have a long-standing career in sales Um, award-winning career with former Fortune 500 companies, Um, lots and lots of mentors that God has allowed me to be under to learn from. Um, I am an apostolic Pentecostal Christian, and that is why my company is called Modesty Lane. So I hope to bring my knowledge to my community first and foremost, and anyone else who's open to learning. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and thank you so much for joining. Okay, you guys, this is Kelly Johnson, and we're back with part three. This is a three-part series of overcoming your inadequacies and the fear of competition. So in this last episode, I want to cover the, um, well, let's just review. In the first episode, we covered the feeling of inadequacy and the fear of competition. In the second episode, we covered imaginary fear and just really conquering your own thoughts and doing that with your, using your story and your why. In this episode, I want to talk to you about real competition, like actual competition, competition. Okay. Um, So let's start out by um, just know, let's just start out with the very base premise here that there will be competition. That's inevitable. Like it's, it's a part of every market and there will be real competitors that if they don't exist today, they're going to exist tomorrow. You cannot stop creative people from creating. And there's new people born every day that are creating things. And so what may, if you don't have any competition today, uh, you'll want to hang on to this podcast because I promise you someone will be born in the world tomorrow who has the exact same idea that you have and you will have competition tomorrow that you don't have today. Okay, so let's just start out with that knowledge, and that's knowing that competition does exist. Um, The second thing I want you to know is that competition is a really good thing. It's really good. Now, I know that sounds strange, um, and I do know that in a lot of instances, it's not really good. Competition can be really ugly and can can be turned into um, sometimes very... Uh, uh, violent things, you know, like I think of sports games and, you know, people like, you know, hockey players beating each other up because they're not, um, you know, they're, they're competing and the whatever. So um, excuse the sports analogy. I just, the first thing that came to my head, I just picture this hop- hockey stadium. I've never even seen a hockey game. I don't even know where that came from, but okay, here we go. Spontaneous podcast. I love this. Okay. So, Competition can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing, and it does exist, okay? So let's just know that. Let's just throw that out there. You are never going to do anything without, feel, without the feeling that's, and, the, and, and it may be true, this feeling, and that's that someone is competing with you. And here's an even worse feeling, and we're going to address this too today on today's podcast, and that's the feeling of being copied, that not only is someone doing the same thing as you, but they've copied your idea. Like you had that idea first 
And how dare they try to come alongside the day after you had that idea to have the same idea? Absolutely ludicrous and unacceptable. And so that's how our brains work. And I want to just dive into that a little bit um, from a psychological perspective and also from, you know, based on scripture and just kind of take a look at what that does to us as people. Um, So let me use the example of eating out at a restaurant. And we have a couple of fast food restaurants here in California by us that, that when we want to have that kind of food, we'll, we'll pick between. And I'll, I'll just name two that are on our top, two top favorites, and that's Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger. So when we want to eat out, typically our family will choose between those two things. And now the Chick-fil-A establishment is like pretty new. In-N-Out Burger has been here for as long as we've lived in California. But Chick-fil-A has only been around here in our area for the past couple of years. So nine times out of 10, well, maybe not nine, maybe more like six or seven times out of 10 at this point, Chick-fil-A will usually win over over In-N-Out Burger just because it's kind of new. Okay. But then we'll get to to a place, which I think it's happening already, where we've had enough Chick-fil-A and the drive all the way there is, um, is not as convenient as just the little five-minute drive to In-N-Out Burger, and that's just as tasty. So two things on that. One is I'm so thankful as a consumer that I have those two really good choices. I'm not a fan of McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's and those other places. I'm just not a fan of those places. And so I'm so, In-N-Out Burger used to be everything, and we would just stuff those burgers down even if we were done with, we couldn't even taste them anymore after so many years. But just the fact that, that there was no competition, we had to have in and out Burger. Like, I don't want McDonald's. I don't want Burger King. So we were just going to go with what we know tastes good. Now, Chick-fil-A shows up on the scene and we're at Chick-fil-A more than in and out Burger. And I'm sure in and out Burger is feeling really steamed about that. They're feeling like, what on earth? Like, we were here first, and why are the sales dropping? We're not getting as many burgers and fries out the door as we used to. And what's going on here? You know, and some of our employees have left, and now they work for Chick-fil-A. We dislike Chick-fil-A. They're terrible, okay? So now that's what happens on both sides of the spectrum. The people competing with each other, they begin to get all of this negative animosity toward each other. Um And as a consumer, I'm just happy to have choices, right? Like, I'm just happy to um, not have to eat beef again. Like, I would like to have a chicken burger. So let's, let's see it from both perspectives for a minute. Like, consumers love choices, even though the people competing with each other are, are just not really happy that someone else showed up on the scene and is taking some of the business. Now, how I want you to look at that is, um, are they really taking the business Let's just think that through. So Chick-fil-A shows up on the scene. And yes, some of us that are used to going to In-N-Out are now now going to Chick-fil-A instead. But there are billions of people on the planet. And there are millions and probably billions of people in this town here, okay, here in San Jose. I'm not really good with statistical numbers when it comes to demographics, but I believe there might be over a billion people here. Now, I don't know what the number of people, what uh, 
in and out serves every day. Let's just make up a number. Let's say they serve 100,000 people every day. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, and Chick-fil-A shows up on the scene and now they're only able to, they're only serving, let's say, 50,000 people because Chick-fil-A has taken half of their market share. So now how, what happens now? The, all the people that work for In-N-Out Burger are saying mean, nasty things about Chick-fil-A and, you know, they're comparing themselves and they're going home feeling defeated and someone's going to get laid off because there's not enough burgers going out the door. And what happens now? Now the, here's where the marketing team has to get creative, right? Like there are billions of people to sell to. So do we cry over the fact that there's 50,000 less people now eating your burgers? The, the consumers are thrilled. Like I said, we've got, we've got another choice. That's wonderful for us. Now, as the person selling, um, let's take the, the inside view of In-N-Out Burger, okay? What they need to do and needed to do and probably have done is get on the phone with their marketing department and find out how they can reach more of San Jose, how they can create a new special, create a, a new item, a new drink, um, a new package, uh, some new interior, uh, you know, a new soda machine. Like who, who knows? But what happens is competition forces you to level up and get better. It, when there's no competition, it's easy to just be lazy. Well, everyone's got to come to us anyway. So who cares if the chairs are comfortable and the windows are clean? So what competition does is it really does force a person to be better. And that is good. That's all good. It really is. Forces them to have better uh you know, why aren't they coming here? They'd have to look at the, the marketing person would have to look at the data. Well, it looks like Chick-fil-A is getting their people through the drive-through a lot faster than you are. So it looks like you're going to have to speed up that time. Okay. So all around, it makes for a better experience for the user, the consumer, and it makes for a better company for the, for the actual company that's griping and feeling really sorry for themselves. Okay. So I want to just show you that perspective and that's that competition. It can be a really good thing if people take their head out of the sand and they start to level up and become better, um, not to so much beat the competition, but just to get more of the market share. Again, there's no need to get back the 50,000 people that went to Chick-fil-A. Wish them well. They're enjoying chicken and whatever they're enjoying, okay? Instead, what In-N-Out Burger should do is focus their energy on expanding to pe more people who don't know about them, right? There's lots of creative ways to do that when you live in an area that has billions of people. So that's the first side of competition. The, uh, the second piece of it that I want to end the podcast with is to talk to you a, little, a few minutes about the scriptural side of they stole my idea, okay? Um, I'm going to read to you a scripture, and, and it's going to be in the Good News Translation which is, a, you know, a lot, to a lot of people, it's a very watered-down translation, but I just enjoy how simple it makes the concept. I'm not saying you should use this translation for doctrinal proof, but I think you, it, sometimes we can take an easier translation and just kind of understand a teeny bit about just what the thought process was around it, okay? So Ecclesiastics 1, 9 through 11, in the Good News uh, translation, says... What has happened before will happen again. What has been done before will be done again. There's nothing new in the whole world. 
Look, they say, here's something new. But no, it has, it has all happened before, long before we were born. No one remembers what has happened in the past, and no one in days to come will remember what happens between now and then. Now, I love that scripture for a bunch of reasons, because um, being a little bit older, one of the advantages that I have is I could look back on a lot of years in my life, and I can see fads and fashions coming back in style. For example, right now when I'm making this podcast, for those of you that are listening in the future, if the Lord should tarry, it, it is the year 2019. Okay, and the styles that are fashion styles that are that I'm seeing now in the mall as I shop with my 16 year old daughter are things I used to wear in the 80s, really, and it's mind blowing to me. I love it because I it, I enjoyed the way, the dress style we had in the 80s, but it's mind blowing to me that if you didn't if you didn't grow up in the 80s, you wouldn't know. Um, you may not know unless you're told that those the fashion that's that's really big and popular right now. Has, was from many, many years ago, okay? And so that scripture is a really good example of how a lot of times we will get hung up over the idea that, that something is our idea. And if someone else does it, they've stolen our idea. When we forget that everything is God's idea, all of it. And very human beings can do very little thing. We can accomplish very little without having seen anything else first. For example, let's say you know someone that's in a prison cell, okay? They were born in prison and um, they have never been let out of prison. Well, chances are if you ask them to create something, they're, they're not going to be able to create something that they've never seen before. The, the, it would be impossible to them because they've never seen it. They've lived inside of four walls, right? Unless they had an iPhone or some something, or they saw someone, you know, they saw one of the prison warden warden people, wardeners or whatever they're called. They had this particular jumpsuit on. Then they could create, oh, here's a pen and paper. Why don't you create a jumpsuit? Now they have an idea. But if you ask them to create a, fl- a floppy disk or you ask them to create a USB drive, they're not going to have any idea what you're talking about because they didn't, they've never seen one, maybe, maybe. And just, just suspend your disbelief for a minute, Okay. So what I'm saying is that everything that's created in some shape or form, this is my belief, is a copy, and my belief is based on scripture, of something that's already been done and that's already been seen. No one can just invent the 80s uh, clothing all by themselves without never have seen it before. They've seen it somewhere. Maybe the people inventing it, uh, designing it now actually used to wear it back then, but What I want you to do is begin to take a deep breath when you feel like someone has stolen your idea. Because really, if we were to look at it from God's perspective, um, they, they are just operating in what they've seen. And in the religious world, um, we call that confirmation. So when, um, my pastor gets up and he preaches something, and I, and I just read that scripture, you know, that day, or I just, someone spoke that scripture to me that day, instead of thinking, oh my goodness, he stole their idea. Like that was their idea. Instead, I know that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Instead, I think, whoa, that's confirmation. God's speaking that to me right now. And then as, as ministers, they may hear that other ministers have preached that same exact thing that night in their congregations. Now, are they going to think, 
well, he stole that message from me. That That's what I was going to preach tonight. Absolutely not, right? That's silly. They're going to think, whoa, that's confirmation from God. Like that is, you know, that's the word of the Lord to the people today. And so I want you to begin to think, if you're a creator of things, um, I want you to begin to think in those terms, that if there are other people creating the same thing in the same space that you're in, possibly that's, especially if they're Christians like you, um, that's that might be God's way of bringing that thing back to the world again. And he's doing it through a group of people, not just you. He's doing it through other people that he's showing those things to, right? Going back to the um, fast food example, uh, you know, I think of drinks and how I went through Chick-fil-A the other night and I had a cookies and cream shake. It was pretty delicious. And I remember thinking to myself, because I'm always thinking like a marketer, um, I remember thinking, hmm, I've had a cookies and cream shake at, a, at other places before. I wonder if those other places are thinking that Chick-fil-A has stolen their idea to have cookies and cream shake. I really do. I wonder that. I wonder if um, In-N-Out Burger is thinking, what? Chick-fil-A has lemonade now? That was our idea. We had lemonade first. So, you know, when we explain it in those terms, they sound kind of silly. Um, but I, I want to kind of make light of just something that I think is really the enemy's way of getting into our brains and into our, into our um, inability to feel confident in what God's given us. If God's given us the same idea that he's given to other people, that's okay. He could be wanting to sh have a lot of that on the market right now. Um, and what makes you different is your story, just like I spoke about in my last episode. You bring something very different to the table of anyone that you're that you're working alongside, and that's how I want to. I want you to think about it as is you're working alongside of each other. In and out and Chick Fil A people should be best buds, in my opinion. People who work there, the people who run it, um, the owners. If I owned one of those establishments, I would go out of my way to meet the other person, and you know, kind of brainstorm, have lunch with each other once a week, and figure out how we can sell more fast food to people in this in this uh, town. There are billions of people and and surely we can be um, we can think larger than just the hundred thousand that is is visiting our establishment and together we can come up with a plan to reach more people. So I just want to leave you with those thoughts today. I hope that helped you um, and I'm so thankful that you tuned into my podcast and I'll talk to you again on the next one.